Support for Talking Art on WVIK comes from the people at Quad City Bank and Trust, helping the local community with their banking and financial needs for more than 20 years. Information is at qcbt.com. This is Carolyn Martin, and I'm talking art today with Sal Singh, a coordinator for the Solidarity Collaboration about a fundraiser being held this Friday, July 9th, at the Whiskey Stop in East Moline for family resources and victims of sexual violence. Hi there, Mo. Hi, thanks for having me. Now, this is a joint effort between musicians and nonprofits in the Quad Cities to help raise awareness of and, and funds for victims of sexual violence, which is a very important cause, I must say, and I'm happy that our musical community is getting behind this. What will happen on Friday exactly? So, um, yeah, the event is from 5 to 10. We have six bands, local bands, who will be performing. Um, It's an indoor-outdoor venue, so some will be playing inside and some will be playing outside. It is an all-ages event. Um, Yeah, it's going to be a mix of genres, diverse uh, kinds of music. We have some uh, rock. There's hip-hop, R&B. Yeah, so there's a little bit of something for everybody. Mm -hmm. And the Whiskey Step is a new venue within the Rust Belt Complex, which is in East Moline. Mm-hmm. And for those people who haven't seen um, seen that whole complex, it's really quite extraordinary what's what's gone up there in the last three years. Absolutely, yeah. It's a beautiful spot. Mm-hmm. Who are the nonprofits involved in this benefit project? Yeah, we've been really um, amazed and lucky to be uh, partnering with some really amazing organizations. Um, when the musicians came together and we... Uh, came forward with this idea of doing a fundraiser like this. Uh, We were approached by River Music Experience, um, WVIK, and, of course, we wanted to raise funds for family resources. Um, So, yeah, we're working with some really amazing people in this community to bring awareness to this issue. Mm -hmm. And how perfect that Family Resources is involved then, since they will provide the counseling services to victims of sexual violence. Let's talk about the musicians who are participating. You mentioned there are six bands, very diverse genres. Can uh, and they're all local bands. Yeah, so Iowa and Illinois. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I haven't had a chance to listen to all of them, but um, uh, it sounds like Ross Clauser is a jazz um, is a jazz group, Iowa City based. Um, I heard a really great single from Mirabilia called Tough Talk that was just released this year. So I think there's going to be a lot for everyone. Alex Rush is hip hop. Um, and I love the fact that it's indoors and outdoors and two separate stages. So you can, sounds like you can walk back and forth. What was the impetus behind the formation of the solidarity collaboration? How, how did this all come about? Yeah. So, um, it's a, so again, we're a coalition of creatives and musicians in the area and, um, we recognized that there were some things going on that had not been addressed. I think in music spheres, you know, it's a kind of atmosphere where people want to let go. They want to have a good time. And unfortunately, also, when people let go and have a good time, it's really important to have a safe place where that can actually happen without people taking advantage of the situation. Um, and oftentimes, of course, alcohol is involved. Um, so we we came together because we recognized that there were some patterns of behavior happening in the Quad Cities that had not been addressed. There were a lot of people who had experienced being violated or some level of um, sexual predation that had not been um, given a platform and they hadn't didn't have access to resources. 
So we came together to recognize this wasn't just a one-off situation. This is a very pervasive issue. And we wanted to, as creatives, since we are the ones who are creating these spaces, to really take a concerted effort to um, cultivate, you know, atmospheres that promote safety and um, make sure everyone's best interest is in mind. And also, if anything did happen in the Quad Cities, you know, people have access to resources. And so, of course, Family Resources has played a pivotal role in so many people's lives that people don't usually talk about. Um, unfortunately, these kinds of situations, <clears throat> excuse me, of sexual predation, of sexual violence, they go on in silence. Um, and so we just want to raise awareness and make sure that we are supporting the services in our area so that people who do experience this do have means of um, going through proper healing and all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sadly, the music world is not immune to sexual coercion and violence. No, you know, no business or industry really is, including our other arts organizations. But that's one reason I'm very proud that River Music Experience is, is one of your sponsors in backing this um, in support of people who may have been, you know, mistreated or, or um, abused in the past. And, you know, you mentioned some of the underlying causes that may be specific to the music industry and why this happens. But it's also, I would say, a very hierarchical system. You know, we, we literally put performers on a, on a pedestal, which is, which is the stage. <laughs> and, um, and so I think whenever you have a hierarchical system, um, you know, I'm thinking of the military and other, other organizations that, um, that are structured that way, it's, it's easier for that to happen as well. That's absolutely true, yes. Um, one of the things, one of the conversations that stemmed from this, um, a lot of people who are involved in these spheres, you know, the, the behaviors around, like, promoters or, you know, going to a venue, they're, the ways that it's looked at as a capitalist exchange, then the person who's getting paid is seen more as a product or something that you get to manipulate to your own means, whatever you you want the ends to be without actually looking at these people as human beings who are creatives um, or even the people in the crowd, you know, um, just because there's a monetary exchange doesn't mean that you then have free play with however you manipulate the situation. That's just not true. So um, we really wanted to change that narrative and make it known that we are a coalition of individual creatives who are coming together and will work together to, yeah, promote spaces where everyone will be acknowledged as full human beings and will be respected as such. Mm-hmm. We've really allowed this behavior to be normalized in so many ways. And, and fortunately, people like yourself and the, and your, the whole committee that you're on is, is getting behind this. And you have some specific ideas about how safety protocols might be implemented at music venues, including engaging bystanders. Yes, that's correct. Um, So again, this conversation really stemmed from creatives and musicians coming together, but then the conversation progressed further into actual actionable um, plans by our working with our partners. So um, specifically River Music Experience and then others that we've been in communication with in the community. Um, So there will be some training programs that we're going to be collaboratively getting involved with and translating to the music sphere. So, for example, in the media, there are training programs available for addressing sexual violence within the workspace and then also how you can be an active bystander in situations of sexual violence, harassment, um, things like that. Um, Those exist for other spheres, and I know they do exist for the music spheres as well, but this is now an opportunity for us to 
not only want to have dialogue about this this kind of thing that has continually been brushed under the rug, but also um, come together to create a comprehensive program that we can initiate in the Quad Cities that is tailored to the Quad Cities, that we can um, become more active participants in this community about um, this issue, um, not only in dialogue, but also in action. So that means actual training, because it's not just about being able to talk about it. It's about having the skills to act in these situations, which is so hard. Um, So it really does take training and practice. And so we want to create spaces for us to do that more effectively. Mm -hmm. That's a, and that's a great idea because I, I know sometimes when people um, see something that makes them uncomfortable, um, their reaction is, 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 is unfortunately to back away and to not be that that um, forceful commentator who who calls out that behavior, you know, if we're uncomfortable, we tend to tend to kind of just want to walk away or ignore it. But that's really the opposite action that we should be taking. Exactly. Yeah. For admission to the event on Friday, uh, a donation is required, and you have a GoFundMe page set up, um, and people should show a receipt for that, or they can donate directly at the venue. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, um, there's also a Facebook event page, which you can find by searching solidarity coming together to support survivor services. Yes. Yeah. So the whiskey stop is brand new. It's within the Rust Belt complex. I know it opened during the pandemic. Um, how did you end up partnering, partnering with this, with this space? Yeah, um, so some of the people we were working with had connections with the owners of that venue, actually, so um, reached out to them, and we were reaching out to a lot of different places, um, but the owners there at the Whiskey Stop, they were one of the first to respond and really showed that they, you know, they wanted to offer their venue, and of course, we were very happy for that and very, very grateful, so we're excited to be able to promote them as well with this event, and um, yeah. Yeah, it really is a, a community-wide effort, and, you know, kudos to them. I think the Stopolis has owned that, mm-hmm. um, so um, I'm excited to try to, um, you know, to go and support their their space as well, not just with this event, but at later dates, um, too. So um, you've made a transition yourself, and I was going to talk a little bit more about how you got involved in this, because you have such a curious background. You've you're an ethnobotanist by by training, and you have a master's degree in that. Can you just describe what ethnobotany is? So an ethnobotanist, in basic terms, is somebody who studies the relationship between people and plants. Um, and in particular for me, my experience with ethnobotany, I've been really interested in looking at and confronting and dismantling the exploitative nature of that relationship. Um so rather than approaching the land as something to extract from or something that is exists in order to um, extract a certain resource, it's actually an opportunity to build a relationship that is regenerative and life-giving. Um, so I've, I've looked at so many different um, relationships, whether it's in agriculture or medicine or um, just generally how land is developed. Um, it's the relationship is written in the landscape quite literally, and this is actually one of the greatest places to be um, to look at the extremes of that relationship in Iowa in the Midwest, which is so strongly defined by industrial agriculture. 
So that's that's what I've spent a lot of time looking at. Mm-hmm. It is really interesting, isn't it? Sitting in this Mississippi River Valley with with Illinois, also, you know, the large agribusiness they plant these monocultures. You just see almost oceans of of corn and soybeans, and it's and it's extreme. But fortunately, people are starting to talk more about regenerative agriculture. Um, and and you've been really blessed growing up and experiencing uh, a space. You 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 are from Iowa originally, and uh, have grown up on land that's being turned back into natural prairie. That's correct. Yeah. So one of the biggest things about regenerative um, agriculture, regenerative ecology, agroecology, there are a lot of ways of talking about this, but um, it's about restoring and bringing back diversity biodiversity in the case of working with plants, Um, but it also does branch out to diversity also of people and places and um, relationships. So um, that's that's kind of, it becomes a much bigger conversation of uh, what kinds of spaces are life-giving. They tend to be spaces that um, are thrive in mutual respect. There are certain things that are held in tension, but dynamic tensions that they can evolve together. Um, And I think that does apply to the community as a whole. So even like if you're looking at the Quad Cities community, it includes our ecology. Humans are not separate from nature. We're not separate from air, water, plant life. Um, You know, all of that is so tied together, and it also is rooted in the ways that humans relate to other humans. So this is all very, very dynamic um, and entangled. Mm-hmm. And there are so many parallels, really, between um, the exploitation of the land, and in this case with your fundraiser, exploitation of human beings yes. by other by other human beings. Absolutely. So yeah. an easy way to create the parallel is land and body, exploitation of land, it's the it's land is the body of the earth, mm-hmm. and you know human bodies. It's another uh, you know way of looking at it, and then people who would approach those things as a means to extract something or a certain kind of experience from that body. Um, it ends up being extremely damaging and has long term effects. So if we want to heal, we need to actually address these situations rather than brush them under the rug. It's not going away, mm-hmm. so we need to start talking about it. And recently, your ethnobotany background has kind of evolved. You're you're now working as a self-employed artist. That's so, correct. Yeah. So, can you describe some of the work that you're doing? Yeah, um, I do all kinds of stuff. I do both traditional and digital art. Um, I really enjoy doing. Um, so for me personally, it's really about a journey of self-healing, and I know that might sound cheesy, but really, that's actually what it is. It's the reason why I quit my job at the end of September last year, started making art full-time is because I was tired of constantly giving my time and my energy outwards to um, organizations that didn't actually value what I was bringing to the table authentically. Oftentimes, my voice is seen as a threat or is seen as uh, uncomfortable because I bring things to the surface that people don't want to look at, which is the same case with this fundraiser. Um, So I was tired of constantly having my voice filtered and edited so that it was considered more palatable. Um, I'm done with that. I would rather be unfiltered, and sometimes people will be uncomfortable with what I have to say and the way I say it. But um, 
It's coming from my heart, and I don't mean harm in what I say. In fact, it's the opposite. So even if it's something weird or strange, um, it is an authentic expression of what I'm experiencing in that moment. Sometimes it's angry. Sometimes it's rage. Sometimes it's sadness and depression. Um, I'm a whole human. We're all whole humans, and we should be able to express ourselves fully. Um, So my art is really um, trying to communicate that. So oftentimes it's this surreal kind of... um, uh, expression of all of these different feelings. Um, I'm not sure if that really. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, it's, it's hard to describe your work. And when I looked at it and people can see it on your Instagram, which is at Mosell, M-O-S-E-L-L-E dot Singh, S-I-N-G-H. Um, there's, there's this beautiful symmetry to it. Um, I thought that there was uh, somewhat of a 1970s vibe tied in with with uh, some mystical feelings. Uh, it's hard to describe. People need to go online and look at it, but it's beautiful. When, when you're using traditional art methods, what materials are you working with? Yeah, I really love um, working with mixed media, um, but it hasn't always been that way. I've spent a lot of my years traveling, so actually a lot of my artistic expression formed from only pen, pencil, and paper because that's all I could carry in a backpack. So I spent a lot of time just doodling, sketching different interactions I had with people or just funny images that came to play. Um, so you'll see also in my artwork, there's kind of a comic book type element to it um, because I did do a lot of like sketches of people or interactions, and I've always loved comic books. So um, that all kind of has come together, and I'm really excited to continue watching it evolve because, as I said, my art is kind of a, for me, it's just a way to play with what it means to be alive. Mm-hmm. Well, Mosel Singh, thank you so much for talking today and for helping organize this event this coming weekend. Thank you so much, Carolyn. A collective of community musicians, creatives, and nonprofits are working to raise funds for victims of sexual violence and family resources this Friday, July 9th at the Whiskey Stop, located at 726 15th Avenue in East Moline. Come listen to music from six different bands performing on two different stages from 5 to 10 p.m. and support this important cause. Admission requires a donation, which you can make online by searching for Survivor Services on the GoFundMe website or in person at the door. This has been Carolyn Martin, Talking Art in the Quad Cities. For WVIK. Not everybody gets the same treatment. Which is one deep. And you're listening to the artist BN Who I Am, who will be performing at the concert on Friday. It's too soon to have.